0: We welcome all of our visitors as well tonight. We're glad that you're here. And um, if there's anything we can assist you with as far as visitors tonight, please, please let us know. Let's begin with a word of prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time together. Thank you for the Bible, for the eternal truth that you've given to us. Thank you, Father, that we can come together and study. Help us all to be diligent students of your word. Help us to remember many that are in our... Bulletins that need to be in our prayers. Call them by name at home. Pray for them. We know there's power in prayer. We know that all healing comes from you. Help us to visit and encourage them as well, them and their families. Father, we thank you for our visitors tonight. Christ, and we pray. Amen. Before we begin with the Dead Sea Scrolls, let me uh, give you the first. Update that I have I received just the other day on Shiloh. You know, this is the second year of excavation at Shiloh in Israel. and it has, uh, of course, found in the Bible, where the Ark of the Covenant stayed. So many, so many things about Shiloh in the Bible. Dr. Stripling um, is heading that um, excavation. They uh, have a lot of visitors that are coming to the site. I understand, uh, from all over the world, uh, looking at what they've done thus far. And from the information that I received in the, in the newsletter, uh, an information that was sent was that they have nine uh, archaeological squares open. Now, that's, that's a lot. It's a lot of squares. Uh, at Bet Shemish at one time, we had 10 or 11, and that's, that's a lot of squares, and that's a lot of people working in there. Uh, as well you don't want to get too many people but anyway from 4 to 5 you get six people in a square and you've, you you you're crowded squares usually 10 by 10 they, they vary in size it depends on the on the director it depends on the site and so forth and so on but anyway they've got nine squares open and that's a lot of a lot of excavation going on in Israel um, they have found obviously tons and tons of pottery in fact they in one week the first week last week they found over 1500 pieces of pottery, just in one week, 1,500 pieces so far of pottery, and they have found coins, uh, they have found animal bones, uh, maybe we can bring you some of the details about some of these things later on uh, as they continue, but one of the most interesting things they have just discovered a couple of days ago, it looks like they have discovered the remains of a horned altar, and we talked about that last year. Um, at the horned altar. When you go to Be'er Sheva, you'll see a replica of the horned altar. And you'll see um, uh, how how it looks. You can look it up on online and so forth. Um, but the one they did find at Be'er Sheva is, uh, is in a museum. But uh, that horned altar is continuing to be excavated. So uh, it's, it's very encouraging what they're finding there at, uh, at Shiloh. And uh, we'll be interested to see how that... Uh, Excavation continues. Tonight, let's, let's pay close attention to the Dead Sea Scrolls. I have a lot of text tonight. only have a few pictures. But I think the text is very, very important. So I'm not going to rush through this. We've got plenty of time because uh, it's, it's a lot of detail. But I want it to kind of seek in. If you want any of this PowerPoint material, just, just let me know and I'll send it to you. We have to understand that the Dead Sea Scrolls were written in three languages of Scripture. I think we've mentioned this a while back, but let's refresh our memory. Of the 240 biblical scrolls that were found there at Qumran, 235 were written in Hebrew, 5 in Greek, and 701 non-biblical scrolls. Um, 548 were written in Hebrew. 137 in Aramaic and 5 in Greek. This means that at least some Jews could speak Greek in the late Second Temple period in Palestine. And it really reinforces the idea that Jesus and his followers, obviously, knew Greek while they were, while they were living. Now, prior to their discovery, the oldest complete Hebrew Bible that's ever been discovered, was the Leningrad Codex, and there's the date. You can look that up online and read all about it, on which most scholarly editions are based. So keep that in mind. The oldest biblical scroll that was found at Qumran, um, just at the northern end of the Dead Sea, uh, from Cave 4, there at Qumran, Exodus and Leviticus, is dated about 250 B.C., And the latest ones to A.D. 68. This puts scholars much closer to the time um, of the text origins. Two of the most prominent and best preserved biblical or Bible scrolls, obviously, are the Great Isaiah Scroll that we've discussed at length, found at Cave 1 at Qumran, about 125 B.C., and the Great Psalm Scroll found in Cave 11 there at Qumran, dated 30 to 50 AD. Most of the non-biblical scrolls throw a lot of light on Judaism in the late Second Temple period. And certain of these scrolls illuminate our understanding of the Jewish sects, namely the Pharisees, Sadducees, and Essenes. We talked at length about all three groups last week. <clears throat> Sectarian documents, such as, that was found, non-biblical documents, we'll talk about these later on, community rule and the Damascus document, reveal the, the, the doctrines and teachings of these Essenes. Some scholars believe that others inhabited this area there at the Dead Sea, at Qumran, in addition to these Essenes, that is still up in up in question and debate. For example, their expectation of two separate messiahs of Aaron and David, and their strict discipline lifestyle. And we talked about that lifestyle last week. One fascinating text, named Some of the Works, that's the name of it, of the Law, found in Cave Four there at Qumran, is a manifesto which details how these Essenes interpreted. Uh, and see his interpretation of some 25 laws from the uh, Pentateuch differ from those of the Pharisees. We talked about some of those things last week. Bible believers throughout the world often are conf- confronted with the charge that the Bible is full of mistakes. Maybe you have been a, uh, had a discussion with somebody, oh, the Bible is full of a lot of contradictions and a lot of mistakes. Well, that's not true. It isn't. But these... Uh, Alleged mistakes can be placed in two major categories. Number one, the apparent internal inconsistencies among revealed data. And number two, which is very important, scribal mistakes in the underlying manuscripts themselves. This number two point, the former category, involves those situations in which there are apparently discrepancies between biblical texts, regarding a specific event, a person, or a place, or something there related. The latter category involves a much more fundamental concern though. The integrity of the underlying documents of our English uh, translations comes into play here. Some charge that the Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek manuscripts have been copied, And recopied by hand over many years. And they contain a a plethora of of scribal errors that have uh, altered significantly the information presented in the original documents. Um, Like Brother Hilliard suggested Sunday, maybe we need to have a study on the transmission of the text. How did we get our Bible? From whence did it come? What's the transmission of it down to this day and time? And perhaps we can do that in the future. As such, many believers, uh, as as believers, we cannot be, uh, some say we can't be confident that our English translations reflect the information initially penned by biblical writers. However, the materials discovered at Qumran, the Dead Sea Scrolls, have provided some very impressive evidence for both the integrity of the Hebrew and Aramaic manuscripts of the Old Testament and the authenticity of the books themselves. For example, let's, when we look at the dating of, of the materials, when the scrolls were first discovered in 1947, scholars disputed their dates of composition. Scholars now generally agree that although some materials are earlier, The Qumran materials date primarily to the Hasmonean, this is before the first century, 152 to 63 BC, and early Roman period, such as 63 BC through 68 AD. Several strands of evidence collaborate these conclusions. First of all, the archaeological evidence from the ruins of Qumran communities supports these dates. After six major seasons of excavations, archaeologists have identified three very specific phases of occupation of the ancient center of Qumran. The coinage that has been discovered in the first layer of strata dates from the reign of Antiochus, 138 to 129. These artifacts also indicate that the architecture associated with the second occupational phase dates no later than the time of Alexandria uh, Janias, 103 to 76 B.C. Also reflected in the material remains of the site is the, description, is the destruction of its buildings in the earthquake that was reported in the first century by the Jewish historian Josephus in his book, Antiquities of the Jews, and there's the reference. This natural disaster occurred around 31 B.C., before the first century, a a, a position that prompted the occupants to abandon the site for an undetermined time, don't know how long. Um, One of the most trusted, well, I believe one of the most trusted uh, archaeologist that has excavated and has written some outstanding books on this uh, site at Qumran is Jodi Magnus from the, up there at the University of North Carolina. She lectures all over the world, and, and Jody Magnus is, is, a, is a scholar, and uh, she, um, uh, she's not a member of the church, but she makes a lot more sense than some of these archaeological PhDs that, that I have read from. And Jody has a lot to say about the occupation. Uh, I was reading about this site. But nevertheless, um, it was abandoned. Don't know for how long. Upon reoccupation of the area, the third phase of the buildings were repaired and rebuilt precisely on the previous plan of the old communal complex. Now, you go to Qumran, you're going to see this you're going to see this stairwell. We've got three pictures here I'll show you. And you can see the evidence very clearly of the earthquake that Josephus recorded, that uh, they say occurred around at 31 B.C. And then we have this picture from the top of the, of the archaeological site coming down, and you can see how the earthquake affected this stairwell, and then a closer look, and you can see how it's separated. So there's quite a lot of evidence just from that stairwell about that earthquake that occurred. The community flourished until the Romans, uh, uh, under the Romans, I should say, um, uh, because of the, um, under the military direction of Vesavian, Uh, he occupied the site by force. Such evidence is consistent with the 2nd century B.C. to the 1st century A.D. dates that we find for the scrolls. The second piece of evidence is that the generally accepted dates for the scrolls are corroborated by this uh, paleograph, and that is the study of ancient writing, and more very specifically, the shape and style of letters. So when people study the shape and style of, of, of letters, this is the discipline that they're involved with. Uh, characteristics of ancient uh, languages, the manner in which Hebrew and Aramaic letters were written, and how they changed over a period of time. At the trained eye, you can determine within certain boundaries the time frame of a document based upon the shape of its letters. You remember the little artifact that I brought in last year of the um, cuneiform tablet, Babylonian tablet, that was dated about 900 to 1,000 years prior to Abraham that was given to me by by Dr. Culberson um, from Israeli Antiquities Authority where he received that from. But you can tell by the shape of those wedge-shaped letters and other writings, of course, the time frame of a document. This is the method by which scholars determine the date of of a text on, the, on those grounds. According to this technique, the scripts at Qumran, the, the ones that belong to the third period um, periods of this development. First of all, number one, a small group of biblical text whose um, archaic style reflects the period between 250 and 150 B.C. Second of all, a large finding or cache of manuscripts, both biblical and non-biblical, biblical, that is consistent with the writing style common to the Hasmonean period prior to the first century, 150 to 30 B.C. And thirdly, a similarly large number of texts that... Um, that uh, evinces a writing style characteristic of the Herodian period, 30 BC to 70 or AD seventy. This uh, linguistic information also is consistent with the commonly accepted dates of the Qumran material. Finally, as a side, carbon fourteen tests done on both the cloth in which some and you saw some pictures of that a few weeks ago, in which certain scrolls were wrapped, and the scrolls themselves generally correspond to these, to these dates. However, some considerable, there are some considerable differences. So, due to the exact uh, I'm sorry, due to the uh, inexact uh, nature of carbon-14 dating techniques and the possibility of some contamination, some chemical com- contamination, scholars place greater evidence in the historical uh, dating. Uh, that's been collaborated through the study of the writing. At any rate, the archaeological and linguistic data provide scholars with reasonable confidence that the scrolls date from 250 B.C. to A.D. 70. There's the parameter. Prior to Christ, after Christ. Prior to the first century, and then during the first century. What's the importance of these scrolls? So while the importance of this, these documents is multifaceted, one of the principal con, uh, contributions to biblical studies is the area of what we, and you know it, textual criticism. And that's the field of study in which scholars attempt to recreate the original content, content of a biblical text as closely as possible. Now, this work is legitimate, this work is necessary, since we possess only copies, not autographs, not the original manuscripts, only autographs of scripture, the Dead Sea Scrolls are of particular value in this regard for at least two reasons. Number one, every book of the traditional Hebrew canon, except Esther, is represented to some degree among the materials found at Qumran. And they have provided textual critics with ancient manuscripts against which they can compare the accepted text for accuracy of content. Now, when you look at the scrolls, we'll also take a look here for just a little bit at the Masoret text. This second point, I believe, is of particular importance since prior to the discovery of the Qumran manuscripts, the earliest Old Testament text were those known as the Masoretic Text (MT), which dates about A.D. 980. The, this Masoretic text is the result of editorial work performed by Jewish scribes known as the as the Masorites. The scribes' designation was um, uh, from the; it comes; it's derived from the Hebrew word. M-A-S-O-R-A pronounced Masora which refers collectively to the notes entered on the top, bottom, and side of the margins of, these, of the empty manuscripts to safeguard the tradition of transmission. Therefore, these masorets as their name suggests, were the scribal people that preserved uh, pre- pres- preservers of the, um, the Masorah, From the 5th to the 9th century AD, these individuals labored to introduce both these marginal notes and vowel points to the um, continental text, uh, primarily to, to conserve correct pronunciation and spelling. But critical scholars question the accuracy of these which formed the basis of our English versions of the Old Testament, since there was such a large chronological gap between it and the autographs. Because of this uncertainty, scholars often corrected the text with considerable freedom. Qumran, however, has provided remains of an earlier, earlier Masoretic uh, edition, predating the Christian era on which the traditional MT is based. And a comparison of the M.T. to this earlier text revealed the remarkable accuracy with which scribes copied the sacred text. Accordingly, the integrity of the Hebrew Bible was confirmed, which generally has heightened its respect among a lot of scholars and drastically reduced some textual uh, alterations. Most of the biblical manuscripts found at Qumran belong to the M.T. tradition or that family. This is especially true of the Pentateuch and some of the prophets. The well-preserved Isaiah scroll from cave one illustrates the tender care with which the sacred texts were copied. Since about 1,700 years separated Isaiah and the M.T. text from its original source, textual critics assume that centuries of copying and recopying this book must have introduced some errors that these scribes made into documents that obscured the original message of the author. But the Isaiah scroll that's found at Qumran closes that gap to within 500 years of the original manuscript. Interestingly, when scholars compared the M.T., of Isaiah to the Isaiah scroll of Qumran, the correspondence was very outstanding. The text from Qumran proved to be a word for word identical to our standard Hebrew Bible in more than 95% of the text. The 5% of variation here consisted primarily of some very obvious slips of the pen or some spelling alterations that took place. Further, there were no major doctrinal differences between the accepted Qumran text, you'll see in a minute, this forcibly demonstrated the accuracy with which scribes copied these sacred texts and and, and bolstered the confidence in the Bible of of textual integrity. The Dead Sea Sea Scrolls uh, have increased our confidence that these faithful scribal transcriptions substantially has preserved the original content, for example, of Isaiah. When you compare these, when you look at the Qumran Dead Sea Scrolls, Masoret. Of the 166 Hebrew words in Isaiah 53, only 17 letters in the Dead Sea Scrolls found at Cave 1 at Qumran differ from the MT text. 10 letters spelling differences, 4 letters stylistic, style writing changes, 3 letters added a word for light in verse 11, And 17 letters, no effect on biblical teaching at all. We have the Bible that God intended us to have. All I've tried to do, and I know it's been probably a little difficult to to follow this, but you're welcome to take this and study it further, is the transmission that took place and how these um, texts, how the, the Dead Sea Scrolls at Qumran establish the authenticity of what the scribes did. And of course, with these old text and the Leningrad uh, text and so forth, it goes back to show you that there might be a few little differences, no difference at all as far as doctrinal things are concerned. And we're going to study more about it. It'll be more detailed, of course, hopefully I'll i try to break it down the best I can because it is, it is hard to follow. When you, and you've got to go over this a few times. Perhaps we'll let it sink in. But God has given us his inspired, God-breathed word. And to follow the transmission of the text. And to see who was involved with it. And then comparing it to something like the Qumran Dead Sea Scrolls. And other Dead Sea Scrolls that were found not at Qumran but on down through the valley and other, other caves, you'll see the comparison is astounding. And that we do have the true word of God. So the Dead Sea Scrolls put a lot of weight, put a lot of um, emphasis here in this area to show that we have what God wants us to have. I'll put it that plainly. And, and, and we have his eternal word. Old Testament and New Testament. But at the same time, these people that say there are discrepancies and all of these allegations, the burden of proof is on them. Show me. What is it? Now, there are some scriptures that look like there are some problems, but when you investigate further, and I know there was a lectureship held on uh, the, the difficult text of the Bible. Um, And and, uh, some of the alleged discrepancies, which really were not discrepancies. We don't go by the Old Testament. It's written for our learning. We know that. We have a new covenant. And aren't you glad we have a new covenant? After we spoke a few weeks ago about some of the laws of the Jews and how they continue to try to observe these things, I'm glad we don't have to do all of that. Um, We do have what God intended us to have. We go by the New Testament. We have the original uh, uh, words, God-breathed scriptures. And our English translations um, are, are what we need to use and show people that we have the truth, all the truth, and nothing but the truth. The question is, what are we doing with the truth? And we need to be teaching others about the truth. Our Heavenly Father, thank you for this time together. Thank you for this uh, study Help us, Father, to be all diligent students and and, and read and, and, and research and do do deep study of your word uh, and make time for this and discipline our lives so we can do this. We know we're here for a short period of time. We know we don't have all the answers. We know we don't uh, we know we make a lot of mistakes, but we need to understand the Bible much, much better than what we do. There are so many things that we read and reread and then we see other things that we have need to investigate. Thank you for your eternal truth. Thank you for the transmission of the text and the fact that we do have your God-breathed scriptures. Thank you for this audience tonight. Thank you for our visitors. Help us to remember many that are in our bulletin. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you.